Hello everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 11, issue 526, and today we're going to talk about Cine Mora. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue we have Mikhail Kroda. Kura! <laughs> Is that Hungarian? Uh, I think so, I think I heard that word. It's not just Hungarian, it's also Polish and potentially uh-huh. Rus- uh, Russian, a word in sure. Russian. And you might have to bleep it because it's a curse word. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll leave it in as a as an Easter egg treat for for our listeners who understand those languages. Yeah, <laughs> shall we? Uh, and Tony Atkins is also here. Hello, hello, Tony. <laughs> that's that's not a rude word. Hopefully, not in any language. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know think. about there's there's been times it's been said. But... There's a lot of languages. <laughs> hello. So, Cine Mora is a mostly horizontally scrolling two D shoot 'em up. 2D uh, in terms of its playing field, but actually it's uh, the graphics are polygons. The name is Latin for without delay, which is actually a quote from some of the text in the game. We'll try to talk about the story a bit and the part it plays. TV Tropes describes this game as a diesel punk Star Fox as a bullet hell shooter with a bit of the Sands of Time trilogy, which also does kind of work uh, diesel punk is uh, another kind of um subgenre of contemporary science fiction adjacent to steampunk and cyberpunk um but where the imagery takes its inspiration from the kind of uh, 1940s to 50s i guess something like that um this is a spoiler warning. This game does have a story. It's one of those where I'm going to say we might not be able to spoil it because it's complicated <laughs> and confusing, but we might also. Um, I do have a synopsis and I don't want to read out the entire thing, but uh, anyway, we'll get into that. But what are our histories with this now 10-year-old game? Let's start with Mikhail. Um I think I learned about it uh, close to its release on the Xbox 360, um and it looked amazing to me it looked really gorgeous from what i saw at the time yeah uh also at the time i was hanging out a lot uh, lurking on the uh shmups forum uh system 11 and uh the developers were on there and there was a little bit of a kerfuffle on there because they basically asked people for their opinion and nice. their the opinions weren't always that kind and cool. you know as 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 is the discourse Nowadays, uh, that can take all sorts of toxic shapes, of course. But yeah. there were also, um, you know, users of the forum that were trying to be constructive and mm-hmm. told them before its release, like, you know, if you fix this and this and this, you might end up with a better game, you know, just giving mm-hmm. feedback. And, um, yeah, afterwards, people were also salty that none of their feedback was uh, <laughs> was taken into account. So I kind of... You know, from what I saw uh, about it after its release, I kind of cooled down with my enthusiasm, uh, even though um, I still thought it looked really, really good. Um, And I might have also 
run at you know come at a point where my uh xbox 360 hdd was uh getting rather full um yeah. and i'm the kind of person that likes to have everything installed i don't like to delete stuff and then having to re-download <laughs> it again um so i think it's actually it was in 2013 when uh i started getting a little bit more hands-on with my steam account i had a pc that could uh decently run some games again and I thought, ah, oh, let's get Cinemora on the uh, on the Xbox uh, or on the on the PC, and right. um, yeah, I played a little bit of it then. But uh, it wasn't until I got a more powerful PC that I could uh, properly run it without stuttery frame rates. Hmm. Uh, and at that point, also, um, it, you got the free um, EX update for it, so you could basically you got a different game file for free, um, and I talked about it when we did those huge uh, wrap-up shows of the year in review, the 2017 one, actually. Uh, you know, I spoke about it in uh, one of our little wow. wrap-ups. Yeah. Okay. I'd forgotten all about yeah. that. And uh, and since then, you've made a shoot 'em up yourself, of course. Yeah, that's it. And at the time that I bought this game and uh, that I was li- uh, reading about this game, I had no idea that I would do such a thing. I mean, we were mm. always... We were already uh, trying to get our feet on the ground as far as game development went, but uh, yeah, I was kind of hesitant to make an actual shoot 'em up, uh, even though it's a genre that I dearly love. Yeah, uh, and and we should say an even smaller team than the digital reality and grasshop manufacture team, considerably smaller, in fact, uh, for your game, mm. um, but also uh, similar in that it's uh, it, your game and this game kind of do they don't kind of wholesale adopt every kind of genre trope and in fact while they're clearly inspired by many many games that have come before they've also got their own kind of spin on things yeah in a di- very in a completely different way in a different way but yeah definitely yeah. turning some uh core concept of the genre on their head a little bit yeah yeah tony do you remember xbox live arcade i do yeah but i didn't play this on that so no <laughs> no um I think I I feel like Cinemora is a game that has you know as a as a name has been in you know that kind of lexicon of dialogue within this genre for a very long time, um, but it's not one I had picked up on uh, the older systems, uh, and I'm fresh faced new to this new EX version um, this year, so um, I don't have a particularly long history of it, but of course I I feel like I yeah. You know, <sighs> The conversation around Cinemora has been fair. It was fairly intense around its release. Like it wasn't something that just popped out and then disappeared again. There was a lot of chatter around it. I listened to a lot of podcasts and shows that were, you know, actively talking about it and seeing video footage of it and understanding that it looked quite different from what I would um, generally think of game in in that genre uh, would look like. Uh, was always intrigued to pick it up, but. Because it's not a genre that I, you know, I particularly, you know, delve into that often. It was just one of the easier ones to kind of let slip by and and just engage in the conversations outside of it. So came came to to play it for this show in particular, um, and actually kind of really looking forward to it because once again, it is one of those well known games in the lexicon of games. So it was just absolutely something that I wanted to dig into i read a bit about the, the you know the extras what the ex stuff brought along to the table and the fact that it was playable on the new systems in 4k and looked you know as lovely as it does did and then i thought yeah no this would be a good opportunity to put my name down and 
and be a part of the show. So a little fresh face to it, but that's no bad thing looking into it in a kind of more modern take, I guess. Absolutely. That is a perspective. Whereas for me, I do go back all the way with the horizontally scrolling shoot 'em ups. I go back as far as Scramble, one of the originators, uh, and its successors uh, were a huge part of my gaming upbringing. We've talked about Gradius before, Salamander, of course, um, and then many, many kind of home computer Euro shmups that were around at the time or late 80s, early 90s on the Amiga, things like that. Um, so, you know, Project X and Apidia and, and all these other things. And yeah, just hundreds since um, when this game was announced for XBLA. It was a period where I was kind of buying everything half decent or cool that came out on Xbox Live Arcade just because I loved the service, the novelty of it. New games being delivered digitally on a Wednesday it seemed quite novel yeah, at the time. Could you imagine? <laughs> uh, uh, and this one was especially interesting because it was a genre that I had a lot of affection for. It was this fantastic sounding supergroup mashup between this Hungarian developer and this well-known Japanese developer. And it had music by Akira Yamaoka and uh, it looked great, as Mikhail said, in, in footage and, and uh, promotional shots. So, yeah, it was a no-brainer for me. And I bought it whatever day one was on XBLA and played it some, but I don't think I ever got around to finishing it. I remember getting stuck on the bit, well, not stuck, but a little bit frustrated with the bit where you travel hiding in the trash. I didn't really understand oh, yeah. visually what was supposed to be going on there. Mm. And uh, and I think I maybe got past it once or twice, but then you're on to the kind of next boss which uh, was heavily Einhander inspired. Um, and I'd had trouble with that same similar boss on Einhander. And yeah, so I think I kind of drifted away and other games came in and took over as they do. That boss but, was the uh, spider, right? The spider boss yeah, in the yeah. tunnel, yeah. Which is actually, yeah, not not terribly overly difficult uh, once you know what you're doing. But uh, I then, yeah, I just left it installed for forever and ever. Um, but eventually when it, came out in ex form i just bought it again i think possibly on sale um just like the idea of the higher resolution graphics and whatever else um and uh yeah finally got around to actually playing it through to the end of the story and many many hours beyond in the run-up to this show completed the 360 version uh, the game is quite stingy with its achievements so um or it's quite it's clever interesting. We're talking, yeah it's very it's interesting. interesting but it's hard to it's hard to earn them all even if you kind of beat the game because it, it demands that you do lots of kind of subcategories of things mm. some of which are quite challenging uh but yeah i finally popped like the rank two or whatever it was <laughs> when i completed the story um and then hopped over to the ps4 version playing on ps5 um and not only completed the story again but also played loads of the 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 predetermined kind of challenge levels on the higher difficulty with the different combos of pilot craft and sub weapon i'm still kind of working my way through those because there's a lot there's like 60 odd mm -hmm. i think something like that um so i just play one kind of one credit of those at a time you still get up to five continues i think but um yeah i've just kind of been playing one credit of each and seeing how far i can get see if i can get a bit better see if i can improve my scores and that kind of thing um so yeah i've I think I've probably played about 15 to 20 hours in total, which is not an astronomical amount, but it's uh, it's more than you know, a lot of people talk about these games being short. But of course, the idea is that you, you get good at yeah. them. Yes. And you replay them. So as I say, the developer is Hungarian Studio Digital Reality, which uh, actually hasn't existed since uh, some years before the EX version of this game came out, hmm. which is curious in itself. 
They were known uh, earlier for uh, games like Imperium Galactica, which I'm guessing is kind of complex sci-fi 4X, I, <laughs> without looking it up. Um, they did uh, a game called D-Day for, for Windows PC, which was a uh, RTS based on World War II, of course. Um, they also did the game Skydrift in 2011, which is another game that since their demise, the developer's demise, has had a, a remaster re-released on, on more contemporary formats. Skydrift is a uh, a plane, aeroplane, Mario Kart type racing game. It's a bit like Hydro Thunder, but with propeller planes. Um, I was playing a bit of it this afternoon and uh, yeah, it's competent, well made, technically slick. Um, but yeah, completely different genre. This rather like one of the games that inspires it, Einhander, was the developer's first and only attempt at making <laughs> a scrolling shoot 'em up which is always interesting. Uh, it was announced originally in August 2010, and Grasshopper was responsible for aspects of the art direction and sound design, while Digital Reality handled the 3D assets, the programming, the story, and the game design, according to Wikipedia. So the director, designer, and writer is one Theodore Riker, and uh, I won't attempt too many of the uh, Hungarian names because my pronunciation will be considerably uh, inaccurate. Uh, there was also another uh, sub-developer or, or company involved called Other Side Limited, which, uh, which included some of the uh, key artists, lead artists and senior artists. Um, and yes, the soundtrack was uh, one Akira Yamaoka most famous for the Silent Hill games and Goichi Suda got an exec producer credit but that often doesn't mean a huge amount beyond has name in credits <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the game is released on the Xbox 360 first March 21st 2012 just over a, a year and a quarter ago came out on the PC originally in 2012 as well and in the November and then the EX version arrived five years later, August 2017. PS3 and a PS Vita version came in November 20, 2012. I remember some people being quite excited for the game to have it, as, you know, it seemed to make sense on a handheld, that kind of genre of game and probably look very nice on the OLED screen. The game came over to Android, iOS and, here's a blast from the past, the Ouya. <laughs> Between July and August 2013, and then that EX version arrived also on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One in August 2017. You can, uh, as I say, I believe you can still buy that, download it right now. It's often cheap in sales if you are curious. The EX version added a 69 aspect ratio. That's not because the original was in 4.3, uh, it was because the original was in 16.10 in a kind of uh, cinemascope super wide which I think was probably a way of reducing screen real estate and keeping the frame rate up with mm. the graphics of the original because it's got quite thick black borders, top and bottom. Yeah. Uh, you can still reinstate that 1610 option on the on the modern version. It almost gets a sort of a Darius uh, kind of uh, yeah. screen aspect ratio, right? Like somewhere yeah, I mean, in between that's... a 16 by 9 and a Darius screen, yeah certainly another influence on this game yeah there's underwater sections and ships that look a bit like fish and things like this uh improved graphical rendering essentially it's uh 1080p rather than um 720 i think the xbla and ps3 versions were you, if you look at them side by side the original still look pretty nice but considerably fuzzier 
uh, the the EX version has a full English language or American uh, English voiceover, although the original Hungarian is still available as an option. A Switch version inevitably arrived uh, in 2017 as well. Uh, the Metacritic score was uh, the original version has a an 83 percent, which is uh, decent. The Open Critic reviews for the EX version average at a slightly lower but still creditable 77. User reviews wise, the opinions of the game are slightly lower. We have Metacritic, it has 7.1 to 7.4 depending on the version. Over on Push Square, the PlayStation site, it has 6.5 to 7. And on Nintendo Life, it has a 6.3. I don't know exactly what the technical specs of the Switch version are. I'm, I guess, uh, you know, resolution wise, it's somewhere between the original version and the EX version, depending on whether you're playing Doctor handheld but i'm sure it includes all the ex uh, options as well one of the things about this game that may be surprising to people who aren't that sort of overly familiar with the genre although this kind of way of doing things does actually go all the way back i'm thinking about games like what assault suits vulcan and various other home shooting games from japan would have quite a lot of dialogue and story overlaid radiant silver gun is another one mm. Yeah. Any others, Mikhail? That... Uh, no, I think that those are some good examples, yeah. 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 So, yeah, this is a game where it is a scrolling shoot-em-up, but whereas many of the ones that you would have played in the arcades back in the day or on your Commodore 64 or your Amiga, the entirety of the plot was contained on a, a small written manual or the title screen. This is a game where the plot is layered on quite thick and heavy over the top of events in the default story mode. I do want to say that you don't have to play it this way if you don't want to. There are there are challenge and arcade modes which don't feature all this uh, and the game can be played a lot more quickly. But it was actually one of the aspects that fascinated me. And now I've played through the game multiple times. I think I have a, a an OK handle of what was going on. It's a story um, that is, um, yeah, it's one of the stories that, that is when you break it down, not all that complicated. It's just told, yes. told in a complicated manner. Exactly. I was thinking of of the sort of the Tarantino thing of where critics will say, actually, you didn't have that interesting a story to tell. So you told it out of order (laughs) to make it more interesting. Um, (laughs) And it it is a fairly simple tale of war, genocide, revenge, but it does involve time travel. And the way that the story plays out means that levels take place out of chronological order and sometimes even overlap one another mm. which i think is really cool i like that when you're hearing the dialogue from a diff- from the other side of the conversation when you're replaying the section stuff like that i thought that was actually yeah just just made things a bit more interesting than just you scroll from left to right and the game goes on yeah yep. yeah also like shades of uh, gradius 5 and it's uh, time travel oh yeah of plot, course you know? yes yeah. another influence for yeah. sure yeah, yeah. I also, I also find it interesting, though, that I think you can absolutely divorce this game from the story and the game still play almost identical for me anyway. It's like there, there's aspects of the story that I was listening to, but it, it feels quite separated. I know that levels are playing out roughly around what is happening in the story, but it, it doesn't feel like when I was when I was engaged in the story it wasn't like oh now i get to play that bit because this really syncs up with the conversation Mm. i'm hearing it's like Mm -hmm. 
oh, it's kind of like a an, an, an embellishment of time and place and character from the story. And I guess I'm in the plane fulfilling. Like it didn't really feel like it was so intertwined that if I took the story from the game, then the game wouldn't make sense. Or I took the game from the story, and the story wouldn't make sense. It's just kind of like someone had a story they wish to tell, and it set yeah. the tone uh, of the piece on that I was playing, but not necessarily so interconnected that it was. Desperate. I mean, but then again, that the genre isn't necessarily known for that. So it's probably okay that you can divorce these things and play it in arcade mode, where a lot of people probably would be spending their time and they needed it to make sense um, on itself, divorce of the story. So I'm not going to dock, dock it points for that. It's just I was maybe, I went in there expecting probably a bit more kind of an inter- intertwined nature of the two things, because that's what I had heard. Um, previously about the title actually having this you know really quite deep story so if that makes sense mm. yeah i mean it's kind of a, it's more of a heavy story than a deep story yeah, no, it's, kind of, it's pretty yeah. it's, it's pretty grim and dark and a lot of the people that you're involved with and even playing as aren't very nice uh Renatra Kos, who's after the you know the revenge of his son and who ultimately ends up uh going in a time loop and um being killed by his son who he's trying to avenge <laughs> which is quite a neat twist i thought but he to get to get into his uh the the situation where he's a, a, able to do this he coerces this uh female character of the this of the rebellion the 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 rebel race the enkis um in the most unpleasant way yeah. um blackmails and yeah that sort of thing and she is already you know, she's a, a traumatized victim already. In some yeah, ways. exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sort of curious, we'll, we'll come on to some more correspondence about this, but actually, uh, yeah, we have some questions as to whether the the story is, uh, is well-meaning or well-intended or whether it's actually something a bit more sinister. Uh, we'll start with Seth, though, from the forum, who says, I can't say what compelled me to pick this up, but I think it was something to do with hearing about the story elements and how utilised the increasingly popular multi-playthrough to get the full story mechanic. So I'll start there. While Cinemora attempts to tell an intriguing story that borrows heavily from other sci-fi properties, imposing empire, time travel, dark secret weapons, I felt the execution was lacking. I found the whole thing baffling from the off, but I guess this was the intention as every level jumps between characters and timelines with little exposition or scene setting. I'm not saying I needed hand-holding, I just wanted more done with the story than confusing dialogue sections during the levels and walls of text splitting up each chapter. I think I understood what was going on, but the reveal on the final level lacked impact for me because I felt like I barely knew these people. The gameplay is great though, and the main reason why I kept chugging away to experience the final ending. The idea of time equaling health is something arcade fans completely understand, and it worked well with the theme of the game being based around time manipulation. I'm not an ardent fan of shoot 'em ups, but I know what I like, and to me, this had just about the right balance of difficulty that stopped the game from flying into the realms of frustration. The only part I really struggled with was manoeuvring through the giant <laughs> circular sky fortress on the penultimate level during the second playthrough, but everything else felt pretty fair. I think the game looks incredible and the overall presentation is one that would appeal to a lot of players if they actually saw it in action. Ultimately, the cover art alone does nothing to draw your eye and I can say it's one of the reasons I ignored this game for many years as I thought it was going to be another generic army game. While I do have reservations about the story, I thought the voice acting was great throughout and really gave weight to the entire experience. I don't know whether Seth's talking about the the English dub or the, the Hungarian. Uh, I certainly I always find it harder to 
tell the quality of acting. Um, I didn't think the English dub was of a particularly high quality, either technically or in terms of acting. And and I do prefer the the Hungarian because it gives it that kind of well, it's it's the it's the language of the developer, so it feels kind of the purest way to play it. But also, it gives it a whole kind of a more alien atmosphere, I suppose, to me. Yeah, same. I think also, you know, it's tough to really gauge performance there, but uh, there's mm. sort of a gruffness and uh, a harshness yeah. and an unpleasantness uh, in the uh, Hungarian voice acting um, that is very fitting. Yeah, it sounds like a very serious anime film. Yeah. And I believe that uh, Wings of Honey Amize, which, which is a, a, a kind of uh, 80, I think 80s, late 80s, uh, anime classic was an influence but but i mean i i would switch around between the two and ultimately settled on the english one because i was trying to make sense of the story rather than just yeah that that can be a just reading it sure. but um quite often like i think any of the you know anything that's subtitled i think sometimes you get drawn into the performance a bit more because you're almost you know transported to a different place sitting there also reading it um but at the same time i think the gravitas was there in the english you call it dub. I guess it wasn't really a dub. It was just a presentation of it. But I think the English version there there is that they are playing obviously characters which are is it animalized? Is that the word? Anthrop anthropomorphic. Yeah, I knew it. There we go. <laughs> so there is a little bit of scope to to in in their performances that allow kind of like well you know they are, they're not quite human. So there is a little kind of no cheekiness in in those performances. But at the same same time. Maybe it's because I wasn't just reading the text and listening to it. Some of the more quirkier nature of uh, what was written on the screen comes across as a bit more, I, I don't know. Um, <sighs> when you've got people talking about rape and uh, murder and stuff, it it's hard to get those performances across about it. Sometimes coming off what you're watching on the screen going, well, the two don't really marry up and correspond. Like I found it a bit easier in just in, in, in the Hungarian and kind of uh, processing that via the mm. text than I did actually listen to performances being played out. So I'd probably say stick with Hungarian in the end. Now I have tried both and seen it all the way through because I think that it, it's a little less harsh to the uh, the person. Mm. Yeah, I'd, I'd certainly, uh, I'd, I did one playthrough with, with the English just to have an opinion and uh, yeah i did find that it helped me understand some of the aspects of the story that that i'd left grasping at before mm. the combination of reading the words and hearing them spoken in a language that i could understand did clear things out but it may have is probably partly just because that was like the whatever the number of time i've been through the story and so it was just starting to kind of aspects yeah, of it i, I had to say settling in place I, I had to do a bit more reading up on after finishing yeah. my playthrough of like, I'm not entirely sure I 100% get this. And I suppose that's okay. But at the same time, I was left yeah. a little bit underwhelmed by, by the fact that I, yeah. I was probably expecting a bit more than what was delivered in the end. Yeah. I think maybe the suggestion is that the, the story is deliberately hard to follow and whether that's to uh, mask the 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 fact that the story is relatively straightforward or whether it was just uh, a way of um, persuading players to play well, through more than once. I, I always want to sure. give developers the benefit of doubt. I think it, it, it tries something different from the norm, which I think is important. And I also yeah. think in an era where trying to sell, I'm not going to do the disservice of saying shmups doesn't sell, but I think it 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 gave it a, 
a conversational piece which I think put it more into the limelight of everyday people that it does have a story that there is something more here than just if you interrupt the synapse, then maybe you're, there'll be something here for you beyond the, the normal. So I think it probably had a, a good go at it. I just don't think it was particularly well executed, which is, you know, a personal opinion. I think the uh, art style um, and the art direction as well as the story are just major, um, you know, and as, of course the pedigree of Grasshopper and Suda51 are just major factors in why yeah. this particular shoot 'em up which is by all accounts, course a niche genre especially then uh why it got so much attention to begin with mm. so i think yeah. just from a marketing perspective it was already smart to you know um take a more cinematic approach and uh get a more yeah get more involved storytelling going on yeah and as i say it's not something that's completely unheard of i was playing through raiden 5 recently obviously a japanese uh, vertical scroller but that is the 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 default story mode on that is just constant dialogue like um it's probably not as involved or dark or complicated as as Cinemora, but it's uh but shoot 'em ups with a lot of backstory particularly in in the japanese part of the genre which is most you know the, probably the most significant part of the shoot 'em ups history um is not it's not that unusual. It's, it's not uh, unusual, but the presentation and putting the story more up front uh, is definitely not that common. Mm. It, it always reminds me of uh, Treasure and games like Alien Soldier and Sin and Punishment, which have ridiculously complicated backstories and <laughs> yeah. cen centuries yeah. of uh, yeah. events that happened beforehand. And then when you play the actual games, there's nothing in there. Yeah. You know, there's maybe a text yep. scroll that just goes on and on and on, or, or there's a manual that has more text, or you need to go on a different website to actually read the background Absolutely. story. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that it's, exists, but uh, it's rare that yeah. it's, uh, you know, interweaved within the a playthrough uh, yeah. of the game. Yeah. And I, I have to yeah, say, right. actually, as much as I think that, you know, fairly, you know, abject about the story, but, um, I think I I do like I do like the way that it tried to present something there in in amongst stuff. Um, you know, it's not something I was like, nah, it doesn't really work in this genre. I think it does. I think there's elements that it could do a lot better, and having the story maybe a little bit clearer um, <laughs> would go a long way. But you know, I don't I don't think it's necessarily a hit and a, or a, a swing and a miss to have it in in this genre. I just think you know it could have been done presented better, be it through both gameplay and um, the actual dialogue itself. Yeah, I think so. Um, and you also said about it setting a mood. And I think, you know, even if you don't want to really uh, wreck your brain over the intricacies of the plot, it does succeed in setting a pretty grim mood, at least, uh, which mm. ties in very well with the aesthetics and, of course, also the soundtrack. I, do you know, the overarching feel, feel I got from the story was that I'm battling against all the odds. That's generally what came there yeah. like i was a you know a father that would stop at nothing for revenge essentially um and be it you know drag other people down with me but it was always that you know there is a lot of things shooting at you because you know you should not be in these locations certainly as a yeah. you know a, a unit or a single plane like or you know, there's no wonder you've got the the entire armada of this world after yeah. you at this one point so if it did nothing else it actually set the tone of you know, there's reasons for stuff to be on the screen shooting. And exactly. the, the father, the father going after revenge is only one thread. Yes, You're course, also yeah. playing as as the 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 Yankees trying to prevent their nuclear annihilation, <laughs> their genocide, and being mm -hmm. enslaved as uh, 
uh, I have no mouth and I must scream type matrix batteries yeah uh, which is what the the empire is in enslaving this race into doing but you also go back in time and you play as the you play as the son who who is being uh avenged and various other it leaps about and uh yeah, yeah. that's where some of the complexity comes from uh toon scotoon raises an interesting point from our forum Toon says, I bought Senemora on Switch this January explicitly to play along with the Kane and Rinse crew, knowing I had very little shoot 'em up experience and that Leon had described the game in the season preview as having what sounded like a pretty bonkers story. Bonkers is an understatement. <laughs> the vibe of Senemora is Disney Afternoon's tailspin written by edgelord graphic novelist and arch-conservative Frank Miller. It's not a flavouring I would have expected to enjoy, but in this case, I found the cast of time-travelling humanoid animal pilots interesting, even if the mechanics and motivations of their heist, military operation, assassination plot seems impenetrable to me. Well, it's kind of all those things. Um, but I was interested in Toon's assertion that the the, the story is written from uh, an arch-conservative perspective. So Frank Miller wrote Sin City and uh, Robocop 2, and various other things um yeah and a lot of his stuff is is infused by that sort of yeah arch right wing libertarian sort of thing now i couldn't really get a read from the overarching story on whether it which perspective it comes from um it seems to, i i would have said if anything the enkis are more sympathetic than the empire oh, yeah yeah i think it's more of a of a condemnation of uh, imperialism if anything, that's where I would have taken yeah. it. I mean, there's there's some really nasty things in there, but I don't think that's the same as the writer condoning them so much as yeah uh, as as expressing that they happen. But I'd be I would have been interested to hear more from Toon as to why um why they got that vibe that it was maybe, actually coming from that perspective. Maybe just because of the contents of the story. Um, yeah, possibly so. Yeah, and also let's not forget that the writers come from a country uh you know with a pretty bloody recent history as well uh and uh a battle and, an, and multiple uprisings against uh, an arch conservative leader currently as yeah well. currently yeah. as well and uh, just yeah. like us i should say currently. uprising <laughs> uprising against uh you know attempted uprisings against uh various uh imperialist um yeah. powers yeah indeed yeah Riker, uh the author the creator of the, the game in the main says uh, the main theme for our story is fighting against time. The time we humans can spend on Earth is limited. During our period of existence, we're constantly confronted with certain important questions. Am I making good use of my time? What if I don't spend enough time with my family and children? Must I respect the time that went into the legacies of my father and forebears? How do time and trends influence our morals and actions? Aren't so many of our beliefs shaped by the place and time we live in? And so on. The actual story comes from a dilemma I was experiencing myself. To me, Cinemora meant the chance to create a game in a genre I love. But on a deeper level, it meant working together with a country I deeply admire and respect, Japan, one whose history and culture is steeped in games. It was also a chance for me to share the doubts I had with others. Any thoughts on that? I think that's interesting, yeah. You can see, uh, you can see that uh, theme um, being pervasive in the game, of course. Yeah, and time being obviously inextricably linked to mortality yeah. is probably the key driver in 
all of our stories and every story ever written in a way, isn't it? So it is, and, yeah. and it's front and center here. But also the wish or the desire to do things differently. Like what, what could I have done differently? Right. Know, to, yeah. To change the way, you know, change where I ended up now. Yeah. Yeah. As I say, your mileage may vary both in terms of how, in terms of how you interpret it, how you feel about it. But um, I think I would at least, yeah, like to kind of, applaud the team for attempting something kind of quite ambitious within yeah what can be quite a simple seeming genre uh, simple in terms of backstory although as Nikhil says that's not always the case sometimes if you look into these games they've got a lot more going on than than you know but yes we also <laughs> we also all remember buying uh video games in the in the 80s and 90s where literally the plot was half a page of a pamphlet and that's all you needed to know hmm. magical isopod from our forum says ultimately i didn't like this one enough to finish it it's got some really great ideas visually and in terms of boss design there's a lot to love here but the way the game integrates the story was very distracting to me Gameplay is often interrupted with a flat shot of your plane flying with no player control while dialogue happens, and it's rarely clear when you're back in control. I think the UI reappears. That's your clue. Its biggest undoing, however, was the bullet hell game design. I've never been a fan of bullet hell. I find them to be overwhelming and a bit of a chore to play. I was enjoying the game on easy, and the first few levels were pretty manageable, but as I continued on, the bullet spam became so intense my eyes just kind of glazed over, and I got fed up with the game pretty quick. My final takeaway here is that I never felt particularly hooked to this one. I had a brief shot of endorphins when some of the hulking bosses dragged out memories of Einhender, but aside from that, I have a pretty easy time understanding why this game is so commonly found in used game bargain bins. In my mind, its sole claim to not notoriety is its origin. I can't say I've ever played another Hungarian game, nor one with a full Hungarian dialogue track. I wish more game devs included their native language. Bit of a positive spin there from uh, Isopod at the end. Yeah. <laughs> the art style in the game is diesel punk inspired. The boss battles for the game were initially designed in large part by Mahiro Maeda, an anime artist known for his work on the Animatrix Kill Bill and Neon Genesis Evangelion, which I'm never sure about the pronunciation of, even though I've been told it multiple it. times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jez Fry directed the game's art and designed the characters with input from Yoshiro Kimura. The characters were designed as humanoid animals due to Fry's impression that the game was, quote, not crazy enough. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Our characters were originally human characters, stated Theodore Riker, creative director. One day he approached me with the idea of having anthropomorphic characters, animals. Mm. So that's the story of that. Yeah. Bit of a Miyamoto move. Yeah. Uh, uh, initial inspiration for the animal theme was supposed to come from Animal Farm and the Black Sad comic books. But old European comic book heroes like Corto Maltese or Modesty Blaze are also cited as influences. That is interesting. Wiki. Hmm. I got a very heavy Benoit Sokal uh, vibe from uh, the uh, character design in Cinemora. Um, you know, you might know him from the Siberia point-and-click adventures, which he... Uh, oh, okay, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. But he had this series of uh, comics. Um, and I think he... I mean, it's these are French comics, but uh, he's of Eastern European origin, I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure, mm. um, that are 
all about anthropomorphic animals, but it's very dark. The color schemes are very dark. It's very gritty. Uh, it's called Inspector Canardo, and uh, the main character is a, a yeah like a, a heavy drinking duck private detective, <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's very violent, um, very mm. yeah very very edgy and uh, and gritty, um, and a lot of uh, yeah the characters in their particular. Painful backstories reminded me of what I mm. read in those uh, comic books. I kept thinking of Porco Rosso and the Ghibli kind of yeah, vibe yeah. as well. Yeah. And I'm also plain. thinking of the... Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and um, that Japanese... Uh, is it CG animation? And probably a manga as well. Uh, War-based with cuddly animals, which is called, I believe, Cat Shit One. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, plenty of plenty of influences um, so yeah, what, what do you each think of the the overall visual design? And and yeah, if you want to talk about how you know whether would you prefer them to stick with the humans or do you like the uh, the the furryization of of the game, Mikhail? Yeah, I don't I don't mind uh, anthropomorph- anthropomorphic animals. Uh, you know, um, I, I've grown up with uh, this sort of concept uh, with before. It became more commonly known as some sort of fetish. <laughs> yeah, right, right. The, fur, the yeah. furry fetish. Uh, yes. But um, yeah, I think, you know, it in one way, it helps to distinguish characters more clear, right? If you uh, portray them as different animal species uh, rather than humans that have more um, yeah. more general features uh, that, that yeah, share between just dif- them. Different uniforms or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. It's a, it's, mm. a, it's a clever way to, you know, make immediately distinguishable characters and you know have maybe their uh their animal nature uh betray some of their personality traits mm. you know like that you would associate with uh with them um so yeah i, I don't mind it at all i think it's it's pretty cool um and i don't know i mean that's the that's just the character design. Are we uh, are we talking about the yes, overall talk art about design? The, well, I mean, the overall I'll, graphics. I'll continue with the character design before we get onto the graphics because I think that's probably sure, a, sure. almost a separate subject. And, and yeah, I I agree. I do you know I never really had a problem with the with the you know, presentation of the animal animals because I, it it's fine. Um, I think you know anybody that's grown up more on kind of modern yeah modern. I mean, I'm thinking yeah, I show show the kids a lot of um, Studio Ghibli stuff, and you know that's. You know, that's always everything that's pretty much there. So for me, I think it actually gave it a little bit of character and identity. And it's not like you're playing in a world which feels, you know, fundamentally human. Like you're fighting machines and bots and stuff. So it's, you know, the presentation of what's outside of the characters could be set really in anywhere. It didn't, doesn't need to have a human form to it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I was perfectly comfortable with it. And if anything, it may be made some of the dialogue of what was going on in the story because it can be heavy at times a little bit more bearable because <laughs> yeah <laughs> if and maybe visually watching a you know uh the lady on screen you know talking about rape um i don't know maybe it would have hit a bit harder than but maybe it may have not earned it as as easy that makes sense yeah and depending on how you you know what what your relationship is with animals, uh, you know how you how you feel about uh, better than humans, animals. Yeah. <laughs> um, it might even, uh, you know, despite their short screen t- time, so to speak. I mean, we talked about how the game um, is more ha- heavy-handed with its story and its presentation than a lot of other shoot 'em ups. Um, but you know, even even still, 
there's not a whole lot in the way that they can do with you know long dialogue cutscenes or, or character development. So in a way, uh, them being um, animalistic, um, yeah, helped me also to empathize a little bit more with the characters, despite knowing very little about them in in, in a strange way. I mean, I, fe I felt a little bit sad when the uh, lizard guy was, uh, you know, met uh, a horrible fate, for example. And uh, yeah, I definitely felt empathy with the uh, with the with the other uh, animal characters, aside from Kos. You're maybe. a good person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yourself, Leon. And how from for you? Oh uh, no, uh, not at all. Yeah, I mean, I've, uh, even going back to kids stuff, you know, you grow up with puppets and anthropomorphic animals of all kinds. I think it's, uh, yeah, like Mikhail says, it's just a way of kind of um, differentiating the species quite or the races quite quite quickly and easily and, and making it very apparent that it's about race without actually bringing um, the races and the, the archetypes that we're familiar with into it. So, yeah, it, it kind of works. And, and yeah, because I've seen other media where it has been the, the kind of the, the seeming cutesiness of the anthropomorphism has been juxtaposed with incredibly dark storylines i don't find it a problem in itself and yes it is absolutely possible to be perfectly cool with or even enjoy anthropomorphic animals without being a furry like you don't have to <laughs> it doesn't have to be a sexual thing no. um but if it is then more power to you you know Each as, long as, not, yeah. as, long as, as long as no animals get harmed in the process exactly uh, it's absolutely fine yeah um but yeah, what about the the visuals overall? I I, I think the game, especially on the uh, the four K version, if if you know if you've got the the kit to run that, the screen and the and the hardware, I think this game holds up really well. I think for yeah. a, for a shoot 'em up, I think it's beautiful in places. Um, I think so still, yeah. I fantastic think lighting, design, and cool design, yeah. Yeah, I, th I think the art design uh, and the the technical side of the game are, without a doubt, for me, its uh, strongest points. I think it's uh, just you know, yeah, it, it's 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 pretty stunning actually. Yeah, I mean, I went back as I say, I went back to the 360 version, played it on the Series X, but it obviously doesn't have any particular enhancements. Uh, if there were any frame drops in the original, I don't I don't remember there being. Obviously, they're smoothed out, I suppose, by the by the increased processor. Yeah. But um, but it, the game still, the 360 version still looks okay to me. Um, yeah. but it's just noticeably like all when you go back to pretty much any. Xbox 360 era game except Geometry Wars 2 it looks uh, it looks fuzzy and murky now so if you yeah. do have the option of playing the EX version or or on PC I would recommend taking it but yeah some of the some of the world design there's some really cool city areas and docks and harbors and uh, yeah. some natural out areas and some mechanical areas and um they've all been I think they've been given a lot of uh, thought and love and um you know, we see because of the nature of shmup development now, don't need to tell you this, Mikhail, but a lot of games um, thinking of uh, things like, um, what's it called? The Rolling Gunner and um, Drainus and uh, R-Type Final, like limit, budgets are limited, right? Yeah, so particularly, yeah. particularly things like Also like, like the, the recent Gotham Fantasy has a very low-poly Dreamcast yeah. look to it, you know? Like, exactly, which, yeah. which is cool, and yeah. I'd much rather they existed than didn't. But exactly. this game kind of, um, its its production values are maybe just feel that little bit higher like they they yeah. or they whether it was a combination of the art uh, the artists i don't know what the funding was um how, how that came about but but it feels like a really 
uh, for for the certainly within the genre, it feels like a very high end product in, exactly. in a technical yeah. sense. And also another reason why it got so much attention and why, uh, yeah, I mean, it still got re released until fairly uh, very yeah. recently. Yeah, yeah, and the four K presentation playing it that way, I mean, it really does jump off the screen. It you know, mm. although like all these things, sometimes you're concentrating so much on what's happening around you that actually it's hard to pass what, what is going on. Sure. Take- Bullet visibility is good in this game, I would say, though, which yes, is yes. A, a stick that's often used to beat particularly European-developed shoot-em-ups with. This yeah. game actually has high bullet visibility, I would say. I, 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 I've had some issues with not knowing which bits of the backdrop were going yeah, to so, hurt yeah, me. Yeah, that's, that's definitely an issue later on. Yeah, so what I, the way I describe it, it feels like um, if EA funded a, a shmup, kind of like that they put the money towards it and, and really went for it. Now, you could argue about certain aspects of the gameplay, which I'm sure we will talk about, but it's, you know, the presentation on the screen, it feels almost like a triple A version of what this game, what these games can be. Like, it's just glorious at times. And in times, it's like a paint. It's got a real kind of painterly look to it. Um, I think like some of the outside areas, remember going into that and then into the tunnels, like outside where these like wind turbines are. And it's absolutely phenomenal kind of just guiding through those areas. And it obviously has the trick of a lot of, well, obviously most things are 3D, but it, dynamic so camera. you can you you yeah. scope around the bosses or the bosses scope yes. around the screen and it feels like yeah. there's more of a you know a physical nature presence to those things on screen but i think the issue that we're, we're all talk about um is at times because of that because of the nature of things coming in and out of screen it can actually be quite hard to to pass some of the enemies that pop into the screen from seemingly nowhere like they could be flying in the background and you think oh that's that's fine actually you're right that's yeah. fine, yeah, and some the stuff like there, the foreground even. they're there, yeah. and you're like, "What? Where, how?" Mm. Like the the transition between what was I was able to shoot and what I wasn't able to shoot mm. somehow didn't always match uh, any given moment. Uh, so at times, I found it a little bit hard to to understand what I was aiming at, and even like what you were saying earlier about first time you played it and you got that rock slide of having to follow it down a, a rubbish shoot. Like it, that stuff didn't necessarily come across. I mean, I died there two or three times going. What am I meant to do? How? Where? How? <laughs> and it. Oh, that makes sense. And also, yeah. But I think from a from a just literally stand back and show this. You know, I had you know people watching me while I was playing it in the background and going, "Wow, that that is a really you know beautiful game." <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't believe actually yeah, how old this is because you know it, it presents. Obviously, the assets are, were fantastic at the time, but it you know it, the fact that it scrubs up as well as it does in the EX version um, shows you actually the the obviously the time they put into it originally also i like propeller planes that can go underwater <laughs> who doesn't yeah it makes fantastic. absolutely no sense but it's great fun <laughs> yeah yeah and uh I'll, i don't know if you also got this leon uh maybe you as well tony uh that uh, a lot of the chunky design of the vehicles mm-hmm. and the gun turrets uh gave me uh, very strong metal slug vibes as well you know this sort of chunky toy-like appearance of a lot of uh vehicles and uh and and gun placements it's certainly in the fact that, that it was more traditionalist in the aircraft design for sure um because i think yeah. they they could have gone with and the, the bosses themselves obviously are quite are always mechanical but there there's a kind of um retro-esque 
feel to some of those bosses and in, including the plane designs you know prop planes you don't really you know you could yeah. be a jet you could be anything that they pick but it it has a more kind of traditional feel to the actual shooting combat from the the planes themselves and each one has a slightly different technique and superpower and all that stuff but yeah it does i know what you mean it feels that little bit more grounded in a kind of a yeah a chunkier more cartoony but re- at the same time realistic style yeah yeah and another game i was uh reminded of also very strongly was the first r-type final uh yeah because absolutely. of these uh you know tony was talking about uh this uh the storytelling and the, the 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 let's say the panning camera shots and everything um yeah these periods of dead time that are in the game usually yes. with dialogue exposition as well it felt like a little bit more um pronounced in its ebb and flow ebb and flow yeah. level and and enemy wave designs you know yeah uh, where and then of course coupled uh, coupled with uh akira yamaoka's soundtrack which is very moody and somber in many places not high on energy mm. yeah that also gave me very strong art of final uh yeah. sort of uh flashbacks with uh, yeah. with its its sort of more melancholic poetic nature and it's more yeah it's deliberate it's longer, pacing deliberate pacing more dead time mm. uh somber soundtrack yeah 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 let's talk more about the the audio design because as much as uh i love some of the sort of use of uh lighting and and such the um the audio design not talking about the music here i'm just talking about the the sound effects I'm thinking particularly about the uh, the rushing of waterfalls and the creaking of uh, of the big mechanical beasts under the water, um, all uh, all stuck with me. The 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 sound of the um, the kind of the tinny collecting of the of the score medal that you get quite a lot. Um, the shooting kind of made sense to me. It's not pew pew. It's more like a more like a mechanical sounding yeah, rattling uh, machine yeah. guns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought it was another really strong aspect of the game. Yeah. Uh, another one I've become to rely on quite heavily was the actual sound of hitting things. Um, yeah. Which yeah. I think is always, but I know, and you know, you, people can laugh at that, but actually, because ha- half the time you are concentrating merely dodging bullets firing in in front of you without really processing what you're hitting on the screen knowing that you roughly want to be you know within this parsec of this little area here so actually having that at that perfect level amongst all the other things it just stood out it really 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 helped me at times to go right yeah i can move through here do this and, and catch those and you know I, obviously that stuff is just bread and butter but if it gets it wrong <laughs> you're in real trouble in a, a game like this so um, i'm yeah. glad it was yeah. there yeah, it needs to be both uh, listenable, as mm-hmm. in it doesn't it doesn't drive you mad. It's actually it sounds that you actually enjoy hearing a soundscape that is uh, in some way pleasurable, even if it's you know quite loud and dramatic and bombastic. But also, yeah, it needs to be informative as well. And and I don't think they they put too many feet wrong in that regard. As I say, one of the aspects that actually drew me to the game was hearing that it had an Akira Yamaoka soundtrack. And what I'm surprised about is um, looking up the the OST. I'm sort of surprised as to the length of some of the tracks, because during the game, it sounded like he'd pretty much written or, or com, you know, compiled a, ser- a small series of loops. But a lot of the tracks are actually, you know, kind of two to three minutes long. Um 
and I really overall I really like a lot of this soundtrack some of it I think is absolutely like you know top tier Yamaoka some of it's a bit more kind of feels a bit more phoned in I would say um <laughs> uh some of it um it, it seems to be wanting to ape some of the stuff from Iron Hander but doesn't quite get there um but some of the loops and beats um I yeah really I find really atmospheric and and kind of weirdly juxtaposed against sometimes the mood of the game sometimes the loops i mean how much he was composing these based on i don't know uh, concept art or whether he was getting uh, vertical slices or what i don't know but um but some some of the some of the uh, the marriage of music and action feels a little at odds but in a way that i quite enjoyed yeah i'm not a particular fan of like slow music and uh, moody music in uh, in a shoot 'em up. I typically want something more uh, energetic, but uh, yeah, it does fit the game and its space. I have to say, yeah. Any of it leave an impression on you, Tony? I found it perfectly competent, and I know that sounds terrible, but it's like it it matched what I expected it to be. Um, but you know divorced from the game now for a, a week i'm trying to you know recollect you know <laughs> recollect too much but no it, it seemed like it, it fit time and place but yeah beyond that I, it just felt like it was you know it was okay you knew it was like you knew who it was right no, <laughs> no, no was, but i'm just the silent you know, hill no, no, absolutely i just it's it's that i suppose because you know this is a genre that i dip in and dip out and each particular title like it you know if this was a, a great score mm. for this uh for this genre of game it would maybe you know yes there's some hooks in there that that worked for me but at the same time you know maybe i don't have that that kind of back catalogue of some really terrible <laughs> ones that go alongside it and go oh god because i normally <laughs> if i'm playing this genre because it's not a genre i'm always in it's normally the best ones that have been recommended that i should check out so maybe i only ever hear really decent scores but um i think some of it is because the game is relative um, slow pace sounds weird in in this context but i by what that i mean that you know it's not like i'm trying to break next speed across the screen whilst everything's no, going no. on like the scrolling is very it is slow quite a throughout. slow pace scroll through the screen and mm-hmm. so when i think of uh you know other schmutz that i've played and they've been quite you know, kinetic and fast, like the soundtrack would normally, you know, correspond with that. So because this is a relatively kind of more like a slow affair, I guess, or, you know, the pace of it is is different. I think the score has to represent that. So there's not, you know, apart from it being atmospherically working with the thing, there, there wasn't anything in particular I picked out and go, yeah, no, that, that really, I really felt like that was getting me through this level. It was just like, no, it suited the, the tone that the game was going for. So the gameplay, uh, the key USP, I suppose, is uh, it's not it wasn't the first and it and it's not unique, but it's, I guess, unusual and stands out, which is that the game has a slowing down time function built in a kind of matrix yeah. bullet time, which is a usable resource. It's not the only power up that you have, but it's the default one. Uh, there's another one which actually acts as a, a kind of rewind, which is the kind of thing you often see in um, modern presentations of emulated retro games to get you out of trouble. But here it's actually used. A, is a that only in arcade game. mode? Is... 
I think so. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. I think, I think in, in story mode, it's only the, only only the bullet the, yeah. time. Because there's actually another yeah. one in arcade mode, which is shield. You can activate yes. a shield from... That's um, right. Which is yeah. very handy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and actually, I think, um, yeah, which which the, the combo of these that you use will yeah give you potential... Yeah, and the R mode, um, the arcade mode is a whole different conversation because I think you know it's it's yeah. very it can be very different whatever you as a user decide to to um, experiment or go for different ranks etc. Yeah, but um, yeah, yeah I exactly. would say the the time stuff I found useful, but also it's it's in relatively short supply. It's not something you you can't go through the level just keep smashing time and actually slowing down to get through the bullet hells. Like you you nah, you have a caps. I didn't like that it's uh that it, there's basically you're depending on uh random drops uh if you can, you know, get your bar or your resources replenished again or not. It's not random though. It's a cycle. Oh, it's a cycle, right? Yeah. But it, it does it does it did feel really random when I was playing. It, no, it's. I think they, in the same way as, uh, yeah, like old Toa planned games and whatever. And because uh, during boss fights, for example, uh, that I had to redo a couple of times, uh, yeah, it felt really like random. What kind of uh, mm, icons so I got? Sure with, I'm not so sure with bosses, but I feel like with the waves of enemies, it will dish out the. Uh, the different tokens in a sequence. Hmm. It felt it felt like a sequence to me anyway, but I don't have the the background data to back that up. Yeah, uh, I was browsing the article on uh, Schmup's wiki uh, on it, but uh, yeah, that didn't give me any. But I, I uh, clarity there. Either. I also think there's a couple of things here, though, isn't it? because um, there's a lot to do with your score chasing in this game, or whether you're just trying to get through, um, I guess, the story and see it through to the end. Because there's obviously other powers we can use, but I, I found myself on you know if I knew that I had time to spare, and obviously being hit takes away time, and that's a whole mechanic we talk about. But you know, mm-hmm. quite often I'd almost forget that I had the power just because I was you know confident enough I could just get through there. And other times yeah. I'd like any resource which is really important, I would hog the hell out of it until I absolutely yeah. needed it, only to find Same. myself yeah. getting through the level with a full time capsule and going well. Ah, yeah, but because you don't know what you're going to face in other time, I would absolutely use it and then find myself in a situation at the very end of the game Without. with a boss absolutely yeah. needing it and going, God, oh, that was a resource I should have kept. Time management is so, key, yeah. which was the overarching theme of the game, of course. So uh, that's, yeah, ludology as a metaphor or something like that. Um, yeah, for sure. And and even, even though, you know, I'm playing it, quite a few hours into my Cinemora career now and I, I still do exactly the same thing. I'm hogging hogging the resource when I shouldn't be. I'm doing the take ninety nine potions into the battle in <laughs> Final Fantasy and, yeah. and daring to not use any of them. I yeah. suppose that comes also with replaying Absolutely. stages yeah. and uh yes. you know, learning when I'm yeah, to I, use I, what I had yeah. quite a different experience with the game playing for it a couple of times. Uh, first time very much relying on my kind of like I'm gonna hoard stuff until I absolutely need it and then you know, mm. second time going, well, th- th- this area here won't require me to use this at all. I do need to conserve it. But, you know, I guess if you're talking about the story of the game, it would be about, you know, knowing when to use your time resources. <laughs> you don't get a second chance. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Replay, as as with all these things, is 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 key to, to learning the game. You know, and then it comes down to whether you enjoyed the core gameplay enough to want to do that, I suppose. 
certainly with the sub weapons that are uh, defaulted to the the circle button or i guess the <laughs> b button depending on what controller you're using um that uh, those also you get the game's relatively generous with those and um and and yeah you you start to learn that the game wants you to use them on various uh, stages of the multi-stage bosses to actually because the longer you're fighting any particular stage of a boss the more you're going to get hit, yeah essentially um in the same way as 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 a lot of the the kind of the lauded japanese shooting games of your kind of demand that expert play you have to be on the front foot proactive yeah. the whole time barely letting enemies come on the screen this game is is trying to take those you, those leads in now you yeah. can actually you know there is playing for it if you end up being stuck on a boss and you'd start to learn like there'll be say a laser that would come out from a boss's you know turret from the very top and absolutely the last thing you want to do that because that is in like an instant hit and there's nothing you can do so you suddenly park yourself right next to that laser as close as possible dumping every single bullet and things and yeah. actually you can take down a boss that might be i don't know giving you some real trouble with you know 15 different maneuvers and taking down within two or three hits if you know what you're doing and i guess that's the yeah. mastery of any of these games but first time through for sure you, you're never yeah. quite sure of how that's going to play out that's it and actually i you know i, t- I take it as uh, i understand that you know this game does have a lot of critic particularly among kind of uh expert shoot 'em up hardcore circles but actually i think that the the fact that i enjoyed the game the more i played it in some ways is is quite a good sign that that um that there's a bit more going on than uh than maybe at first meets the eye theodore Riker said the system came first talking about the, the time rewind uh sorry the the bullet time i should say for the idea of a game based around extending your time we were influenced by an old japanese doujin galaga clone carax it added a fresh, unique flow to Gallagher, and we thought we could use a system like that in a hoary shooting game. To that basic system, we then added the ability to manipulate time. At the same time, we started thinking about the world of Sinemora and the hero's backstories. When I was young, I saw the film Wings of Honiamise, and I was deeply impressed by its wonderful world and the creator's loving attention to detail. I wanted to create a game that could be meaningful too. I wanted the game to be like a well-written science fiction story where both the game world and the game system acting in tandem would tell the story. Yeah, that gives you some gives you some idea about uh, a lot of the design choices, right? And I can also see, you know, um, I think it was one of uh, Riker's goal also goals also to uh, make uh, a shoot 'em up that would be more palatable to more people than just hardcore fans, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. So I can see also the benefits of that time system where yeah it's not you know it's not an instant kill when you get hit uh yes. and uh, more than that i mean you could do that with a health bar a la 1943 mm-hmm. uh, but that's still something you know that um you know you still take a, can only take a limited amount of hits but in cinemora you can of course earn time back so you yeah. can take quite a number of hits as long as you don't take them you know, in the wrong time or in the wrong moment. Yes. Um, so I can see that why they chose that system. And I also can see why, especially that choice, you know, has proven to be relatively popular with uh, maybe more mm. casual fans of the genre. It also allows you to have 
checkpoint systems throughout the level, isn't it? So you know you you tend to do a section a, a segment and then bank whatever time you had towards the score, and then it kind of almost resets again. As long as you don't yeah. go through, you continue, you concede through to the end. And yeah, you know, as a more casual fan of the genre, I I appreciated that. You know, rather than having to literally learn every single thing that was happening on the screen, I could just learn individual chunks and if i you know, i didn't have to use the continue that many times apart from towards the end where i think it gets a little bit more kind of intense but um yeah. was happy a couple of times when i'd hit those checkpoints and go right well i know i've got that bit done at least if as long as i don't go through my 10 credits right now yeah the uh i'm, I'm gonna do a little bit of my uh hardcore shurmuff and song and dance here <laughs> but uh the beauty of a uh, one-hit kill game <gasps> as daunting as intimidating uh as it seems is that you absolutely know, you have the assurance, unless the game is botched or wrongly balanced, that it's designed to be played through without taking a single hit, right? Um, so this kind of system, even a health bar system or a health point system, can lead to more laissez-faire kind of wave or enemy pattern designs that uh, maybe aren't always the fairest, you know? And uh, it, that might not be the case i think there you you can see videos on youtube of people flying through um even the insane difficulty mode without taking a hit but yeah. it's of course always you know especially if you're more versed in the genre you always have this niggling doubt like hmm when you're playing it it's interesting they went for giving you a diagram of the hitbox rather than for your ship rather than showing it to you in the game so a lot of um yeah Contemporary, well, I say contemporary, of the last 25 years, uh, Japanese shoot-em-ups will pretty much show you your hitbox on the Visible, screen. Visible, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not it's not that here because they obviously want the plane to look like a mechanical plane. But actually, when you select your plane in the, not in the story mode, but in the in other your case mode, mode, yeah, you can actually see, it actually shows you where on the plane your, your hitbox is. Yeah. After I completed the arcade or the story mode and then yeah. went into the arcade mode, I was thinking, oh, yeah. so that is yeah, the hitbox. That, I yeah, actually, yeah. I did the same thing. I was like, that could have been a more useful information presented me at some point prior to me. Yeah. yeah like, I, exactly. You, know, you work it out because just by natural yeah. play, yeah, you'll, you'll see <laughs> yeah. a, a bullet, you know, go through the back of your plane and go, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. I guess. But yes, because you switch planes you several do, yeah. times, deliberately the hitboxes are in different places on different vehicles. So that's actually part of the, the game is is learning to not ram your hitbox into the <laughs> into uh, into the wall where your hitbox may have been in a different place on a a segment a few seconds before influences on the game so there's that uh, dojin galaga clone which i never heard of until researching the show called carax yeah, uh, iron ha- hander is definitely an influence um right down to some of the sequences being very reminiscent indeed the train and that spider boss in the tunnel seem yeah. very heavily influenced the city uh, as well the city uh yeah and some some of the some of the vibe the general audio visual um totally different systems of course um, but maybe uh, just like the 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 fact that in Ironhander you never get an outrageously large kind of um, power up situation. Uh, in Ironhander, it's um, you know your weapons and sub weapons are key and you can bolster them to an extent, but you're never you never become like a a raging screen filling kind of yeah. cluster of bullets to match the enemies and i and i would say like i don't, I don't want to p- 
people to get their idea like uh what uh Isopod was saying earlier is true to an extent the game does become a bit more bullet hellish as it goes off but this is no dan Maku oh, no, game no. like there's only the final boss has one wave of bullet curtain right at the the very very final boss has a wave of bullet actual bullet curtain at the end um but other than that it's more like it's somewhere it's not really like a a proper old school non bullet hell game but it's certainly not like a a game where all you're doing is weaving and picking your way through screeds and screeds of bullets no it's not but uh there are definitely damaku inspired patterns sure. in there yeah and i think actually that's uh, one of the major things for me where the game's design goes wrong mm-hmm. because uh you know there's nothing wrong with that per se and there's nothing wrong with um, the initial ambiguity of the hitboxes, that's something you can learn. But uh, one key thing, if you have to dodge more intricate patterns, uh, like let's say on the higher difficulties as well, um, you need to have weaponry or at least that amount of firepower that allows you to continually damage a boss um, while you concentrate on dodging these more Mm -hmm. intricate patterns. and even when your weapon is fully powered up, that's not always the case, let alone when you're being powered down and you're only stuck with your little pea shooter. And a lot of the bosses have these very small areas where you, with their own little health bars that you need to whittle down, that you need to yeah. take down. Um, so I think that's definitely a design issue of uh, various elements that by themselves are not necessarily wrong, but are just kind of mixed in an awkward way. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a subjective thing because i actually enjoy the fact that this game has some segments where you can only dodge you can't damage i also enjoy the fact that it has the very specific small areas on bosses that need well, you, chipping you away. can you can um it's not like um you know there you can actually damage them but sometimes you just you know you're stuck when you're powered down and you continuously have to dodge these volleys of bullets and yeah, you're just not yeah. in a position to keep hitting the enemy. Well, that yeah, I mean that's true of any number. Of, I mean, going back to Gradius, right? You know, you've been if you've if you've played badly enough to get to the boss with no weapons, then yeah, sure. But tough. usually, the, you don't have like these very small areas that you need to hit. No, I, I mean, I know what you mean. I, I definitely found myself in in a couple of times on a boss needing to hit one more area of the boss. Yet the you know the bullets being thrown at me have you know pushed me to the top of the screen. And actually, yeah. the only way that I can get back out of that scenario is to get so close to the boss that it, essentially it's almost like a death scenario. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, yeah. that is absolutely, don't get me wrong, in that moment, frustrating. But part of that kind of replay, you know, being OK with replaying segments of games, yeah. you you go, sure. oh, the thing I actually need to concentrate on isn't the you know, small turret here in the corner is this big one over here which and and not to put myself in yeah. that scenario and getting getting here in better well, shape so well. one of the, i think one obviously we talked about the timer kind of so if, for anybody that missed it like you you regain time by shooting the objects on the screen be it mostly planes coming back at you or stationary targets on bosses and it and it so it does force you to stay on the front foot rather than just avoid conflict like you do need to actually shoot things to get that stuff back and there's two terms to this. So you, you can either score chase, in which case you're not being hit by anything and you get more and more things come your way, more and more points. I mean, the more you actually manage to hit stuff without being hit yourself. 
Um, but for me, because I was less worried about you know hitting an A at the end, I was more just concerned about getting through the level. What what I found I was become really important to me was the red pickups, which essentially is upgrading your weapons. Yeah, and because I found that to your point, Leon, yes, you don't fill the screen entirely. But they are certain time, like certainly towards some of the bosses. If you go in there and you get hit and you lose all your pickups, like you're trying to take down this massive boss with a single shot pea shooter in front of your gun, you just you end up being hit by the, the waves of everything. So I would count losing the red elements of my ships or the gun the guns from my ships as a really important scenario. So if if I got hit by a random plane in game and I lost one or two of those um, pickups, I'd get really frustrated because I, I'd no, there was well, no guarantee yeah. that I was going to be able to... Sonic the Hedgehog style, though, you can grab them all you again. You can. Yeah. And but that's, which also, is... that's also a little bit uh, problematic um, because, you know, you have a very small invincibility frame after you take mm-hmm. a hit. Yeah. Uh, often, when you chase those power-ups, and they are very important because you feel especially... Vulnerable. You know, weak yeah. and impotent, uh, with, impotent without them um you often get into more damage yeah. you know that is a that yeah. is a tweak that i definitely but, would advocate which is yeah that that uh the iframes after taking a hit is very but brief interestingly yeah. i actually didn't mind that because that actually added a to me a a complexity to the game which like i was very precious of not being hit because i was not worried so much about the time because i never really mm. okay and it, there was definitely times that I ran out of the time that was allocated to me in the level. Yeah. And actually yeah. nine times out of 10, that was because I was chasing down the, what I yeah. felt was like a crutch that I needed those, that extra firepower to get through stuff. Because there was times when I would replay a level and I know that if I had, you know, two first maxed out guns, I could take things down in one hit rather than three or four. And that made me feel powerful and made me feel more confident. But equally then playing some of those levels again, you realize I didn't need need it in that scenario there, and I could have perfectly done it. But it it made it made me feel like I there was something more to do rather than just shoot everything on screen. Like if I got hit, it was less about losing points; it was more about making me more vulnerable to the next hit, and that's something I I wasn't willing to sacrifice. Um, and you know, at times you and I, what I do like about the checkpoint system is if you got hit and you lost everything, it would reset you back at the checkpoint with what you already had at that point so you could restart in an area with say five or six upgrades um without having to kind of go through that whole things but each one of that was just basically learning the levels as and when they were coming up around you and knowing when not to be here um and i guess that's the whole point of this game it it added something more to me that i was i was chasing rather than just a score i was chasing the protection of my plane and not just because if I got hit, I'd lose some time. I was, you know, trying to hold back and um, <laughs> not lose my ultimate firepower. Mm. Yeah. I think my uh, main issue when I boil it all down to uh, with uh, the uh, game design of uh, Cinemora is it's the lack of firepower that you have really. Mm. Um, it commits, uh, you know, it commits a, a little bit of a, Design sin that you typically only see in uh, Western-made shoot-'em-ups. In that, <laughs> I knew uh, this was coming. <laughs> there's no, there's no such thing as real popcorn enemies in the game. The game, the enemies that look like popcorn enemies aren't because it's not if always. You're on it's your... not definitively, objectively a sin. It's a preference that some people have. Right? Yeah, but it doesn't feel good. 
You know, I mean, even that so you then, can say is subjective. Us, of course, everything is so everything is subjective. Sure. But we're sitting here having our subjective discussions, Absolutely. right? I'm not saying this is against the law. <laughs> you know, the developers should be thrown in jail for this. You said it's, they uh, should go to hell. It was a sin. <laughs> no. Exactly. Well, you know, in in let's say let's say shoot 'em up conventions, especially of Japanese yeah. design, it is a convention that even at your lowest power, when yeah. you have a, a ship I, that's I fully agree. powered up. You know, you should have that of inherent course. satisfaction of being able to pop the small fire. And, and I recently went back to uh, when I got my A five hundred Mini. Um, I, I I went back and played just a tiny bit of of Team Seventeen's infamous Project X, yeah. uh, one of the hardest horizontally scrolling shoot 'em ups I've ever played. And yeah, like the 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 first enemies that come on the screen in that game take about six hits. Yeah. And yeah, I think that was a terrible uh, design decision. Um, but equally in this game, um, right? Yeah, the, the, there are no true popcorn enemies, but there are there are planes that take two yeah. hits at your lowest ebb. So it's not it's not quite as kind of um, yeah egregiously like ha ha you're weak as uh, as some of those western. I suppose I just um, like I, I completely I, I I think there's a there's a fine balance between the kind of uh, uh, things that that good you know core fundamentals of games design and things that are unchallengeable rules of games design and mm. i think sometimes like i i watch a lot of the kind of the hardcore shoot 'em up channels on youtube and stuff like that and and this is not just true of this genre but it but it's a lot of genres i think kind of gatekeepers of of genres get so kind of wrapped up in well, the it can become the, it can become a you stifling know, a sort of established criticism that doesn't deserve any second thought in those circles as well you know like that, there's, it no, becomes, there's no question like okay yeah. you know oh there's a shop in this game you're a shmup you know that sort of uh yeah 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 that, that it, sort, of, sort of thing but i mean the fact it, remains that um a 2d shooter is um you know in its base mechanics um i don't think it really um is suitable for you know, having every enemy be a sort of a, a, a bullet sponge, you know, it makes you feel Two hits less does powerful. not make a bullet sponge. It, it can, especially if enemies move fast and you can't take them all out when you're, uh, uh, when they appear on screen yeah. uh, there, with, there you, is, with your well, little I will, ship. I know and, what you're saying. There is no point in this game, though, where you can't take everyone out with the, with the minimum, exactly. with the minimum bullets. And that's just, you know... I mean, to me and to a lot of fans of the genre, that just doesn't feel very satisfying. I mean, it's, yeah. it's odd. I just think these rules can become stifling to creativity. They can, in... they can be, but uh, I mean, there are a lot of other ways you can exercise your creativity. But it's also a little bit about game feel. You know, what feels good, what, and that that is not a hundred percent set in stone. That isn't the I, same for I everyone. Think, I think yeah, maybe yeah. to your point, like I, I, I mean, I'm more with Leon. I'm not too sure that I entirely agree that. I was always fighting, you know, I was against the odds, like th things were almost impossible. I think, but then again, me saying that one of my most prized possessions in this, which was holding the, the power-ups, means that of course there's there's some argument to what you have there, is that at times I felt like, you know, if my plane was back to being, you know, at, at its lowest ebb, then I was all, all but useless. But I almost mm. feel like, well, well yeah, because my plane was at its lowest ebb, like that was almost a criticism of me mm. For getting hit enough times yeah, that of course. the game dished out the ability for me to to be you know have popcorn enemies yeah. 
I just well, it's I a more old hit. school approach. It's it's closer yeah. to to Gradius and R type from the exactly. mid 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 eighties. Yeah, and I love those to, games, so yeah. I can't be hypocritical there. Uh, but it's um, games have addressed more <laughs> more recent shoot 'em ups have addressed those so, issues. So, but to uh, your point, like in, I, in I think actually, <laughs> I think the story mode is one thing in this game, but I actually think the arcade mode. For anybody that's seriously into shmups, that's that's where they will be spending their time. And I think with the arcade mode, there there is a lot of variation, a lot of customization that you can do to change this game into as difficult or as easy as you want. I think you can use different ships to make it harder. You can use easier ships. Um, but, you know, if I think about this, how the scoring works in arcade mode, which is, I suppose, if you're really into these and you're doing a high score and it has leaderboards, etc., that... Essentially, if you use your sub weapon, if you use your time capsule, if you get hit, yeah. like your score goes from being whatever the plus 10 maximum is and it's dishing out nonstop, that reverts back to one. So it's basically relying on individual skill and technique of just using your guns and leaving all the rest yeah. of the game design behind. So I feel like that stuff is there for people that want it, but actually for people that are probably middling in this genre there's something a bit more different in there. Like they don't necessarily ask yeah. for those things to be there front and center because, you know, I, I don't know, maybe I, I found the arcade mode engaging and interesting because I could change those things and suit it towards my needs. But equally I found, I think if that was what the story mode was, I probably would have found it more frustrating and overly challenging. Mm. I, yeah. I mean, I'm going to, you know, in this discussion, I'm oh, you got to go from like no, but you got to go from your here, viewpoint, which but, is this is a genre that you're deeply invested in, which makes sense that you have that yeah. viewpoint. I am also not particularly a fan of uh, a, a scoring system that penalizes you for using the tools <laughs> that you have. You know, no, I agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I'm also really not a fan of the scoring system as it's implemented in the uh, in the arcade mode in and the rest of the game, of course. Um, you know the uh, the meddling is fine. That's uh, that's kind of a tried and tested uh, way of scoring, like having these medals appear on screen that rise in value just as long as you grab them all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, then the other stuff like oh, you get penalized for um, using your special abilities. Yeah, I'm not I'm not really. And fan I wouldn't, of that. I wouldn't yeah. even have seen I mean, that if I if the when we talked about the kind of the achievements or the trophy list in this game where you, you know that stuff actually plays into trying to achieve the trophies because some of those things you yeah. have to replay through arcade mode. Um, and that stuff yeah. like why how do I get these ranks like why does none of this make sense until you actually do some research yeah. and go oh okay fine <laughs> and it's a problem in that although as I've said like learning the game learning the levels and what's coming next has in some ways increased my enjoyment of the game but one of my biggest downsides with this game is that the as long as I've played it now and I keep playing the the arcade mode levels my scores aren't getting consistently noticeably better um because yeah because of the the scoring system is not that conducive to that sort mm-hmm. of play in in my experience um maybe i'm literally playing it wrong i don't know but um you know i've got some a ranks and stuff like that but it's not you know i'll still often get an e rank but i'll i'll feel like i've yeah, played better. it yeah. okay um but it's because i'll have yeah used use my resources to to do it well kind of thing which which does feel a bit punitive but but i presume it is uh, i've i've watched a few kind of uh you know high level play videos and it is possible to do yeah. it properly and do it better and win all the trophies it is and there are ways to you know overcome the issues that 
that I have with the the game design, um, and you know, there are ways to not let it be uh, much of a bother. But does it? My my main point is what it comes down to. Does it actually feel satisfying to play beyond the uh, audio and visuals? And for me, that's not really the case. I enjoy, um, let's say, the audio visual experience most of the game. Mm. Uh, beyond that, not that much. Yeah. And that's the key difference, because to me, I do find the the moment to moment feels yeah. very satisfying. Even when you're fully powered up, your ship is, um, you know, it. Yeah, you feel like you have more of a handle of the situation, but you never never feel particularly powerful. Um, yeah, I mean that fits into the narrative. Not not for me. Not every shmup has to ultimately no, it be a power be. fantasy. But um, yeah, so the power that you have in the game is more of a defensive power. It's not a uh, you know. It it lack the game lacks in offensive power. Uh, uh, don't know. Don't don't I don't really agree with that. Like I'm I'm now at a point where I can take a lot of these bosses down in a few seconds. Yeah, I think you know. It, <laughs> I don't want to reduce it to get good, but you can. Like you can get a lot better to the point that you feel like an offensive force. It's just that you have to know your abilities and your limitations. It's yeah. not a game that's just going to dole out like massive amounts of firepower. You have to kind of really pick your way through the levels mm. to to a degree that maybe other games don't yeah of the I, genre don't necessarily yeah demand. i mean that's you yourself i don't ever really think through the screen yeah there's no way of to to dom to no, dominate exactly. and i'm there there is certainly with the bosses you find yourself being pinned in a corner because they are screen filling literally screen filling and you have things thrown at you but even that i i enjoyed some of the the boss, you know, scenarios when well, hang on, how they're not firing at me, but they are going to hit me here, and I need to make sure I'm up in the, this height in the screen, for for instance. Mm. But now I, I think I, I understand probably where both you both of you are coming from, and probably sit somewhere in the middle. I think I agree mm-hmm. with Mikhail that you know at times like maybe I would like to pick up those one or two weapons where yeah you do feel like the absolute dominant yeah. threat, and some of the yeah. sub weapons do do that, but some of the, the lasers where you you know absolutely can rip for yeah. a you know i get a health bar of a boss but that's why in the arcade mode i chose uh the lizard guy because he has a big yeah. Laser, yeah we got the explosion as well haven't you? and then you've got some which are a bit more ineffective but um equally you know i think really i think if once you once you know a boss i think you can dominate that boss just by knowing its routines and patterns um so in a more traditional sense no you're not just so powered up that you're just filling the screen and you take it down but at the same you know mm-hmm. kind of more it's a bit more kind of i don't want to say tactical so i don't i don't play enough of this genre to say whether this is more tactical than than the next but well strategic i i mean i i there's not like i haven't learned how to dominate all of them but there are genuinely some of the bosses now which i can take down in a few like a handful of seconds by knowing exactly what they're going to do exactly, you know, because I've learned the level up to that point to be as fully powered up as I can kind of going in close to the weak points and in the, in the correct order, you can, you can take quite a few of the named bosses in this game down in, um, in a matter of seconds. And like, there's obviously infinitely better players than me with, with YouTube videos out there, but you can see this. It's not like you're always on the back foot. It's just that the game yeah, take t- you know, it, t- it takes a lot of learning to get to that point where you're not always on the back foot. I think it's a on its own terms kind of game, and whether whether you enjoy that or not, of course, is is a completely yeah. subjective matter. But I don't think it's, yeah, it's not 
it's not that you the game will always leave you in that position it's just that you have to get to a certain point with it to to take yourself out of that rather defensive feeling situation yeah you have to overcome the limitations of your of your tool set you know of your of your craft yeah, exactly um, but i think and, the game is that, designed that is, around and, that yeah it is designed around that but um just the fact that you feel kind of limited there um sort of stops me from getting my um you know what i would usually get the big endorphin like a yeah the endorphin rush yeah, like yeah, the yeah. inherent satisfaction yeah it doesn't for really me, come comes with, that. with comes with the genre you know it comes with a for me it's a kind of slow drip light endorphin release rather than the kind of yeah, yeah the, the and maybe you get more endorphin when you pull off some some good dodge maneuvers and you take a boss quick down quicker yeah. than you did it reminds before. me more of playing like an old 80s capcom game in that regard like pre kind of bullet hell yeah, pre sure. pre the screen being full of yeah. medals and trinkets and weapons yeah and there, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that um it's it's a it's a bit of a throwback in some ways in yeah. some ways but that's also why I don't really yeah. enjoy the more modern touches that it has that clashes mm. with it a little bit where sometimes you have to navigate these uh, damaku like patterns yeah. Pieces, yeah, yeah for sure yeah. It, it's a bit of a mish a mishmash and a, and a mismatch yeah. yeah and i say that as someone who also in in some sense has created a bit of a hybrid older yeah, new kind definitely. of uh, shoot yeah. up you know and one where you deliberately aimed for all the bullets <laughs> like some kind of mental man um, <laughs> yeah i just exactly. want to mention the other uh, the other uh, influences that the that uh, Riker and and co cited um, Battle Garega, which is probably as much as anything the kind of the the aesthetic diesel punk aesthetic. Uh, yeah, yeah. Garega I mean, also has uh, this, um, especially in the first stage, has this sort of uh, Laputa castle in the sky kind of setting. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. Um, the the pacing of Garega is a million miles away from Sidemora. Plus, it's a vertical scroller. Yeah. So, uh, under defeat, the aforementioned uh, Pro Gear, Pro Gear no Arashi, which uh, listener you can play on the Capcom Arcade Stadium happily yeah. as of a couple of years ago, whenever that came out. Yeah, um, which is 2021. Uh, yeah, yeah, which is well worth uh, having a look at, um, and is I would say it's both more and less accessible than Cinemora to play. In that, yeah. it's, it's probably easier to have a quick blast on. Um, but to get in deep, you're going to have to do even more learning than you have to do on Cine Mora. Definitely. Yeah. Very overwhelming bullet patterns as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Gradius, of course. I mean, I suppose Gradius pretty much influences any horizontally scrolling shoot 'em up post-1985. Yeah. Steel Empire, um, which is steampunk rather than diesel punk, but, um, you know, has a lot of dirigibles and mechanical enemies and kind of imposing yeah. bosses and things like also that. also a game where you don't feel exactly that powerful and uh, yeah and en- enemies take uh, a number of hits before they go down yeah. yeah true enough uh darius well it has underwater sections and uh and 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 i guess some uh, darius is another game actually that doesn't really have any popcorn in fact uh, i wonder if darius true. the, yeah, the yeah. opening the opening stage of the original darius uh is about as brutal as a Japanese shoot 'em up will ever get in terms of yeah, not yeah. really giving you a chance to get going. If the later games do have yes. them, of course, like oh, yeah. Darius Gaiden and everything. Yes. But yeah, the first Darius, uh, you also have to take yeah. so many shots at these little enemies. Yeah, yeah for sure. And R Type, as we mentioned, particularly R Type Final. Um, the one that I've seen mentioned by uh, somewhere online, I'm not sure by who, that I don't know is a game by Success called Sanvane. Yeah. Do you know yeah. this one, Mikhail? Uh, I didn't know. 
of it beforehand, but I looked it up because yeah. one of the characters in Cotton Fantasy is from uh, San Vane, or at yeah. least it's sort of like an uh, Otome uh, version of one of the ships in there, you know, like a half yeah. a ha- half girl, half mechanical hybrid thing. Right. But uh, yeah, I mean, the uh, mechanics that she uses, that character, are very much like Cinemora's mechanics, yeah. where you are on a timer. Killing enemies will add time, and taking hits will uh, sip That's time it. off. Sip time off. So yeah, yeah, I was immediately reminded of that. Yeah, that was key to to the whole game of Sanvane. Apparently, um, this yeah. was released on. I I could, don't don't know how I missed this at the time, but it was released on the Midas uh, Value Series Pocket Price label over here. Yeah, like they 10, were six pound ninety nine. Yeah, six yeah. ninety nine in the UK. Um, Chris Kamara's Street Soccer is the only game I remember from that range, but Sanvane yeah, yeah. looks like one I missed. Wasn't uh, this it made with uh, Net Yorose or something like that? Quite uh, possibly, yeah. Yeah. This was after they'd made the original Savaria, so yeah. um anyway, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, I think we've oh, uh, we haven't really discussed rank, um, talking of Battle Garega and indeed many other shoot 'em ups that kind of kept it a bit more behind the scenes. Um Gradius for one. Um, yeah. This game has a, a rank thin uh, rank uh, mechanic, but only in arcade mode. Yeah. So uh, in the story the more... mode, I couldn't discern any sort of uh, no, rank increase. No. Yeah. no, it's it's not it's not there. So rank is is essentially the adaptive difficulty, depending on how well you're doing. But it also affects the points you're getting. So you you need the rank to be higher to get the higher scores. But it means that the enemies become much more aggressive the bullets move faster across the screen and this kind of thing so um there's that (laughs) (laughs) yeah yep so the game includes those story arcade and score attack modes at the beginning when you first play the game there are only two difficulty levels um but you can uh, there are a couple of points during the game where you can choose difficulty routes even in the tutorial there's um one of the achievement or trophy criteria is to destroy everything in the tutorial level without taking any damage. Um, but I think you have to take the hard route, the lower hard route to do this, and you have to take out all the um, all the all the turrets on the way. It's basically teaching you how to do the slow down time mechanic. Have you done this, Tony, in your? Achievement I have, but you know, it, it's of, yeah. it's only because when you drill into achievements, it tells you essentially what you need to. To do because if you go into like the actual yes. mode, it's like you, you've, yeah. you've completed this, haven't completed this, and you need to do this. And it's mm. like, okay, well, I mean, I found, yeah. I actually, Sub-class. I quite like it. I, I think it's, yeah, yeah, it's a tad confusing when you don't really know what's going on. Like you can play, I played through the entirety yeah. of the game, didn't get one achievement, and went, huh, well, a trophy in this case. Yeah. And then, yeah, you know, once you understand what the the criteria is and really everything's then linked back into arcade mode, it's it's simple enough. Uh, for me, if I loved the game more, I would have put more time into chasing those. But I did two or three ranks and went, okay, that I've kind of I've hit yeah, what yeah. I want from this game. Uh, but I could see if I was really super into it, then that's a really interesting way of actually dilling, dishing that yes. out because it, it makes you what I always believe achievements and trophies can do. It makes you play games in a slightly different way, be it good or bad on occasions. Yeah. But in, in this, I think... Mm-hmm. You know, if you are chasing something, there's there's a an interesting scope to 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 kind of push yourself into different areas, and the fact that it tracks everything so succinctly helps helps that as well to know what you're missing. God, I saw saw someone tweet the other day. I don't know who it was. 
they just tweeted achievements ruined video games like that is such a weird thing these things that you can completely ignore (laughs) (laughs) and i mean ruined yeah, I mean, like, yeah. I'm you throwing could argue, away all my games now. You could argue, well, that's it. But <laughs> if, if you think that video games, like the entire medium, can be ruined that easily, then um, you can't have a very high opinion of them in the first place. But also, I guess there were, you know, it's it's Twitter, of course, so it's it's a it's a hot hy- hyperbolic take in a, in a small number of characters. But you could make arguments about, I suppose, particularly uh, AAA developers, kind of leaning uh, towards. Play, giving players certain kinds of achievements for certain things, but actually, there's I all could kinds give you a, a whole sermon to, on this for about well, two hours. Uh, you know, I, I know you could, Tony, not. but uh, I'm on your. <laughs> what I'm saying, in short, is I'm on your side. I mean, I'm I'm not like the kind of person who will only play games for achievements or, um, uh, you know, achievement hunting in the way that you do. But the idea that uh, th- they've been a net loss for for gaming is, uh, is not something I can. I can vibe with because if you don't like them, just yeah. And once again, I mean, if you, this would be a prime example because this is absolutely baked into the core of the game. So take away it being an achievement trophy, whatever it is, it's baked into the actual way. Well, yeah, if you play the Switch version, these are yeah, still so in there, but you just don't get a, an external. But it's a, it's a once again, it, it it challenges you to look at this game and go, well, can I achieve a level without being hit? Like that would be a, a good first port of call, yeah, right? Exactly. Now, yeah, if you're into this stuff, it would be like, okay, well. So I can achieve that. So then that allows me to hit the, the better rank. And it actually then explains the ranking system to you a lot more succinctly because exactly. you've got something guiding you. Of course, there could be a tutorial and yeah. do the exact same thing. But it's interesting that, you know, this goes mm. probably, what, there's 10 ranks, something like that. Um, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Well, you have to distinguish distinguish also between getting a rank based on your performance in the game and the rank yeah, you know the shoot 'em up term terminology for yeah, adaptive or dynamic have, difficulty. They probably should have been a bit more distinct with that, but yeah, yeah, rank, rank, and rank. <laughs> yeah, there, there's rank and then there's rank grade. So two very the, different. Yeah, no, it's, it's yeah. interesting that you can go through the entire game and then go, well, what did I do wrong? Mm. <laughs> Was I just that bad? It's like, <laughs> yeah, no, you were you were never going to get them here. You just needed to go off piece, which is kind of interesting. I've got the classic thing on my Xbox 360 version profile now, which is that I popped the first achievement in 2012 yeah. and I popped my second achievement in 2020. Fantastic. Yeah, that kind of, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Riker said, story mode was designed to be easy where anyone could play it and experience the enjoyment of a shooting game. I think it would have been very wrong to have made that too hard. But yes, since STG players love the difficulty, we made the arcade mode hard. As a genre, STG is focused on player skills, so trying to make an easy arcade mode would have been pointless, really. The true joy of STG comes from overcoming challenges, after all. This was uh, from an interview on Schmupplations. Very interesting interview. On the Unlockables front, uh, progressing through the story campaign unlocks the different planes, pilots, and of course the stages to play in arcade. Six distinct levels, I think it is. Also unlocks the encyclopedia, which you can find in the options menu, which uh, gives you even more lore, backstory and legend if you want to just actually read through it. Progressing through the arcade mode on any difficulty unlocks colour schemes for the planes and some art. Finishing the story mode on challenging difficulty unlocks alternate story mode. 
and finishing the alternate story mode on any difficulty unlocks the alternate plane color scheme for the other plane. <laughs> well worth well worth doing. There are also in-game achievements which have multiple requirements, as we say, rely on previous ones, and it pays to read the details. Indeed, it does. That's from the Shmups Wiki. The ending, the alternate narrative, is more of an alternate ending. Following his father Renotra cross death by his own hands, Argus starts devising a plan of his own to exact revenge on the Empire, using his knowledge of past events and the project equipment. This is the uh, slavery project. He travelled forward in time to before Akita could destroy the Ofan, not orphan, having her travel 4,200 circles into the past and saving her life before destroying the facility himself and dying in the process. Cinemora ends with the same opening cinematic revealing Argus as the pilot of the King Cobalt. However, Akita is revealed to be pregnant and to have given birth to none other than Enki himself, thus bringing the entire story full circle. Things are getting spiritual. That is a classic time travel plot. Yeah. Uh, nice bit of sci-fi. But I've just ruined it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we have some three-word reviews, just a trio of them from Twitter. Uh, follow us at Canaan Rince. Paul Cavanna says, Story is incomprehensible. Toonskatoon says, Flying Furry Fury. And Matt Gates, short but sweet. Matt Gates, not that one, if you're <laughs> in America. Yeah. Right. Uh, not that creep. Not that creep. Uh, to summarise then, um, Mikhail obviously has to go first. Yeah, that's the most negative out of the bunch. Now, I actually wanted to, uh, before we started off, and I forgot to, completely forgot to do that i wanted to sort of preface it uh by saying like uh yeah i tried to encourage you into it but it just... yeah exactly i <laughs> totally missed mr clues um yeah of course as a developer of uh, shooting Bob myself um i felt kind of hesitant going into uh, the cinema discussion because i'm not the game's biggest fan uh, and I don't want to come across as smack talking uh, a fellow developer of this uh, of this genre, um, but maybe it's because we developed our own shoot 'em up that I've become extra critical. And maybe if I wouldn't have, I would have been more accepting of some of the design directions. Mm. Where before I could have probably, you know, chalked things up to okay, this is a you know just a different kind of design ethos, and uh, mm. you know. And respect it for that. And it's not that I don't respect the game or or its development uh, at all, of course. But uh, yeah, I might have been more uh, open-minded before I made my own <laughs> shoot 'em up. And I think also what plays heavily into it is that uh, when uh, we set out to develop Shield Made Max, um, because of its sort of unorthodox core mechanic uh, that flips many concepts or many... Uh, uh, tenets of the genre on their head, we wanted to make sure that we had the fundam fundamentals nailed of what makes uh, you know, a satisfying uh, Japanese-style shoot-em-up to play, uh, built on you know, decades of the genre's sort of uh, evolution. Um, and yeah, in the end, playing Cinemora um, for me is fairly unsatisfying Aside from its um, 
aesthetics it's a very strong art design and i'm not the biggest fan of the music in itself but it does fit the game very well so i think the audio visual experience of the game is uh, spot on i think the time travel or the time as a resource or you know as a sort of a health system um aspect is you know has great potential but isn't that fully or well realized for me either or in the way that it's implemented um but yeah i mean i'm i don't think i don't think uh in the end that cinemora ex you know speaking in general terms is a bad game or that i don't find it a bad game um because it has yeah many qualities still that make it worthwhile worth the play and yeah certainly redeemable for me and yeah it also i think i find it quite inspirational um you know for our sequel i think there are many cues probably that we'll will want to take uh in in terms of presentation um and you know see if we can maybe make some improvements there as well as far as um the quota between downtime and actual playtime go and yeah i think it's a if anything it's a fascinating study project and i'm very sympathetic to its uh, storytelling and its uh audiovisual design thanks mikhil very fair tony how about yourself yeah i mean i can't say i i loved the game i enjoyed my time with it but it it I think Mikhail talked about earlier, like you know, coming backwards and forwards. And I, I, I was like that. I, I didn't. Although it's a relatively short game, you know, I wasn't sitting down for long sessions with it. I'd kind of enjoy my, you know, I guess like thirty minutes, forty minutes session with it. Put it down, and come back again. Um, and then you know, once I'd seen the campaign through, I'd come back again and, and mess around with the arcade stuff. And yeah, it, I think presentation it does a lot of lots of things right for me. Um, and I, you know, I'm, I'm happy it's on a slightly easier side and isn't quite so bullet hell. And, you know, I even quite like the strategic nature of taking down individual parts of the bosses, etc. And actually having to not always win, but learn the patterns and feel powerful for my own, my own discovery. Um, but although it looks phenomenal at times, I, I don't know, I, I never felt like it was a classic at any time. I just felt like it was a really competently made game um and i could see what obviously they were going for um but it's you know it's not one although you know i'm i'm i say i tend to play the games which are the standouts as genres um if it's a genre i'm not 100 percent comfortable with and it this felt like it was a game that on the outside i've been told was fairly important but actually playing for it i felt like it was just a really competent game and some of that will be just time has progressed um so yeah, enjoyable, but uh, not a, not a classic. But you know, I I still enjoyed my time and enjoyed playing it for for the show. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, don't get me wrong. This is far from my favourite horizontally scrolling shoot 'em up um, in history. Long, long way from it. But uh, I do feel like I am the most positive of us on the game. Um, I do. Uh, I was always fascinated by the by the this sort of weird team up of developers mm. and um and how that came about and and the fact that Yamaoka was doing the music which I I think really adds a lot and I like the audio design in general I think the game still looks really cool especially in the 4K presentation uh in the ultra wide 
1610 on a on a, a large screen i think it's a really nice looking shoot 'em up but as uh, as mikhail has been stressing throughout like feel and satisfaction um as with uh, most games i guess ultimately is is what it comes down to and and for me cinemora does just about for the most part uh make me feel good to play um the fact that it doesn't hand you popcorn enemies from the start i actually don't mind uh, the fact that the early enemies do take two or three hits means for me that it makes it more satisfying when you have managed to accrue uh, six or seven of the nine power ups and you can take these things out more easily. It's uh, it's that kind of uh, delayed gratification, which is something that I enjoy in, in games and in life sometimes, depending on, on the way it's delivered. And um, when I, you know, if I if I go to my kind of mental image of this game, it is when I'm kind of halfway through one of the stages kind of uh, clearing out large swarms of enemies as they come on the screen or i'm as i as i mentioned earlier kind of taking out one of the one of the less terrifying sub bosses and uh and knowing exactly which pattern to use wh where to go in and and hit those weak points and take them out and kind of uh where I've almost got to the point of, of being able to make some of those initially imposing set pieces a triviality. And that stuff, that stuff satisfies me. Um, and, and if it looks and sounds cool when, when it's happening, then, then so much the better. There are some, yeah, some things which I think uh, other games maybe have done in a way that I've enjoyed more. Um, it doesn't necessarily always feel the most kind of polished or smooth in terms of overall um, design when it comes to, yeah, I think there was one mention early on of there's a there's a boss where you um, get kind of caught up in this gigantic wheel of laser beams and turrets and things like this. And yeah, it's very treasure-like. Yeah, yeah, it's treasure-like, but um, and possibly not as hard as some of those treasure ones from from things like Radiant Silver Gun and Nicaruga, but equally it feels a bit more chaotic and a bit less kind of clinically well-designed, I suppose. A lot of uh, uh, bumping into stuff and ping-ponging there. I think there's a lot of that yeah. because of the analog control, isn't it? You play this game very much via yeah. analog control, that's not true. the D-pad. So we, that's yeah. true. We didn't, we didn't even get into that, uh, to mm. the analog default controls, yeah. I actually feel the... the we, have, we didn't really talk about it, but I think that's partly because there's not really an issue. But I think the actual responsiveness of this game is, is really cool. Like, it's, it feels, feels really sharp to me. Yeah. Like... Um, yeah, but there may be some issues around things that, like I wanted to say, like I, I get frustrated with not just the shooting game community, but other genre communities as well, where they where they hold certain design aspects so sacrosanct as they can never be challenged. And any game that doesn't tick all these boxes of exactly how you do things or how mm. the favorite game did things, if if anyone dares to do these things differently, then there starts to be a certain snootiness around them there's a sniffiness around like a, almost any european developed shoot 'em up at times yeah. um, because because they're not japanese and they don't yeah. know how to do it and i think that's really reductive and unfair and i think so but i, I think that criticism also comes from you know breaking design rules in a knowing way and in a smart way or just breaking sure. certain design conventions because you're not aware of them and sure you're basically making mistakes that have already been solved in I, very I, earlier games. I understand that and I and I do take I very much take your point on that but I also think that a lot of great art creativity has come out of people 
accidentally breaking the rules that they didn't know mm-hmm. were there. Yeah. And so I think it's, I think, yeah, sure. I think like, so I think it's a double-edged sword with that. I think sometimes, I think you're absolutely right. Like, yeah, I don't want to play another game like Project X where the first enemies take eight, eight bullets to kill or whatever. <laughs> you know, I, huh. I, I, I wouldn't enjoy that personally. Maybe somebody would, I don't know. But yeah. equally, I think that having too many sacrosanct, untouchable, this is how you make good games things is really damaging. I I think the problem for me over overarching all of this conversation is with, with that is when you're so deep involved in any kind of genre and certainly if it's, you know, I'm not to upset the, the shrap community here, but when it's a niche genre as well, that... Yeah, you do find yourself in this scenario where like these are the things these conventions have had. I mean, like something like Cinemora, what I remember at the time is because it stepped outside of those boundaries, it actually tried to, to bring more people into the fold. That This may not be the absolute you know, epitome of a great shmup, but it actually is approachable in a way that might get people to play other games, which are those things. Yeah. So, and I think that's really like to Leon's point. I think it's really important that you know it doesn't necessarily follow the conventions because it makes it more approachable with people. You know that you might go on to play, you know, other games which are the the, the epitome of what you know an absolute bullet hell shooter can be and have been perfected to its very inch of its life. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, I I think yeah, far from. <laughs> I a, think we I, just hijacked Leon's completely. Yeah, no, so we did. Mm-hmm. No, it's fine. It's all it's all it's all good. It's all relevant. Um. Yes. Uh, the, the, I think yeah, there are there are certain things that I would have changed, and I'm sure I've been guilty of you know gatekeeping games design on this yeah, very I'm podcast sure we all have, before, yeah. <laughs> um, and and sort of saying when this is how good games work and this is how not as good games work. But actually, yeah, it's 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 that's why I was careful to stress that what Absol- I personally absolutely. find satisfying or not satisfying. Absolutely, yeah. I'm not calling you out at all. I'm just, I'm I'm more talking about the wider community because I've mm. definitely seen videos on on kind of um indie shmups that i think have been really like out of order in terms of the way that they're talked about um in terms of you know you can't you can't break these rules because therefore it's not a good game because it's not exactly like i don't know yeah battle garega or whatever the biggest darling or 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 a k you know pro gear or whatever um so yeah uh a, a cool game, a, a defunct developer. Um, so um, we won't be seeing a sequel as such. I don't know if uh, if Riker had any plans to ever uh, revisit, but I, I'm I'm pretty sure at this point this is a, a ten year old game. Even the EX version is five years old. This is a one and done. But it's this kind of game that you'll see turn up on. It may have even been a game with gold or a PS Plus title. I don't know, but. It'll, it'll probably turn up at some point in in your digital library, um, or or very cheap in a sale. And I'd say it is worth having a having a quick blast at. Bear in mind that yes, um, you know these games often become more enjoyable the more you play them. And uh, but that isn't always you know something they're not always they don't always hook you in enough in the first place to make you want to do that. So yeah, your mileage will definitely vary as it did for us on the panel. But overall, uh, I'm really glad I took this opportunity on its 10th anniversary to schedule this podcast and revisit the game and actually play through it, not only to completion a couple of times, but also beyond into the arcade mode. And uh, And I can definitely still see myself firing up from time to time, just have another run through of some of the levels because, yeah, I do find it enjoyable to play. There we go. 
just remains for me, Leon, to thank Mikhail, Tony, Editor Jay, our correspondents, and of course to you for listening. And to tell you that next time in issue 527, well, it's a long time since we did the original, so it's high time we took a look at Darksiders 2. <laughs>